Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. <clears throat> I trust you'll be blessed as we share a few thoughts. Um, look at that PowerPoint. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> uh, Lord, we thank you for your son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. We pray that he will be glorified as we share a few thoughts, that he will be the object of our worship, the object of our discussion. I ask that you guide and direct my words, that they will bring glory to you, and that it will be a blessing to everyone that has come. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so just a few housekeeping things just before I begin. <clears throat> I don't do lots of PowerPoints, but I was told that I better start practicing because if I go for my professor interview, part of what you do is PowerPoints. So that's a good thing to do. And secondly, I was told that um, when I keep telling those guys, okay, move back to the verse, go down, go up, go down, go up. By the time you put it on the cloud, and then people are listening to it, they're wondering, go up, go down, go up, go down. So it sounds like that's uh, not a good content in the message. So that's why I put together this uh, PowerPoint. And the third point that I'd like to make is that I take passages and I highlight them. So if you are those, one of those that believe you shouldn't highlight scriptures, uh, I want to apologize up front because I highlight sometimes in red just to highlight the point. So it's not that I'm trying to downplay the scripture or anything. I just want to bring out the point. And um, so with that, we are into the message, looking unto Jesus. Um, I'd like to read <coughs> together with you. I said, oh, I'm supposed to point there. Oh, I wasn't sure if this thing would be clear. You know, I don't do PowerPoint, so I don't know whether you can see it. If you can't see it, next time I'll make it bigger, hopefully, and you can see it. Looking unto Jesus is the title of the message. And I'd like to read with you Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, <coughs> let us, all of us, believers, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame 
and had sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, looking unto Jesus. This passage was written to the Hebrew Christians who were taking their eyes of Jesus. There was a danger that they would look back and uh, abandon the faith. Things were tough, and so they needed to stay focused. And the Christian race is, or life is compared to a race where you are running. I don't know how many of you do marathon or half marathon or 10K. And when you run in a race of that sort, what you need to do is to keep, look forward and keep going. If you look back while running, there's a possibility that you might trip or you might make somebody else to fall. So that's the way the Christian life begins. It begins with looking unto Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, it says, Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. <clears throat> and um, I tell a story of Charles Spurgeon. One of the great stormy winter day, churches were mostly closed, and he was trying to get to his church you know, to listen to the message. He wasn't a believer, but he couldn't get there because roads were closed, storm was on, and so most people were not there, and so he managed to step into this little church. There were not a lot of people. The preacher didn't show up for that message. And so the people sat down, waited for the preacher, couldn't find the preacher, and so one of the laymen uh, who had not even prepared stood up and then had to give a message. And the message was Isaiah 45, verse 22, look unto me and be saved. And if you, ha if you have not prepared for a message, it's doubt that you have a message. But the only message he had was Isaiah 45, verse 22. He kept repeating it, look unto me and be saved. So he kept repeating it and, you know, if you are one of those that said, doesn't the preacher have something better to say? So he kept stressing the word of God because the word of God is quick, powerful, and active. Look unto me and be saved. So at the end of his message, he noticed that there was a young man sitting at the back that looked face down, looked miserable. So he said, young man, you look miserable. He said, you need to look to Jesus and be saved. And Charles Spurgeon said, I looked and I was saved. And that's how he became a Christian. A layman, not prepared, not schooled. He just pointed him to where he needs to look. The Christian life begins with looking unto Jesus, the author of our faith. And it ends with Jesus. And in between, it must continue with Jesus. The problem is sometimes we take our eyes off Jesus in between and look at other things. And so <clears throat> these other things I call distractions. And I outline three of them 
myself. I spend inordinate affection or time looking at myself or looking at my circumstances or looking at other people. And once we take our eyes off Jesus and then focus, let me say, mostly on ourselves or on our circumstances or on other people, we are not likely going to run the race well. And so we must aim to run the race well. So today, I want to focus on looking onto myself. Hopefully next time, I will move on to looking at circumstances and other people. <clears throat> All right. So, looking onto myself. We do it all the time. And sometimes, if you're a little bit older, you sit back and then you think about your life. You begin to think about the things that you should have done that you didn't do. The people that you didn't treat well. I remember as a young man in a boarding school in Nigeria, there was one of the students was... Um, was um, had a um, sickle cell. And as a student in a boarding school, I had something you probably call, uh, the closest to it will be, one of, uh, I, I, the name is, is, is I'm, I'm missing the name. One of these things that uh, you use spoon to eat, what don't you use spoon to eat, somebody says. <laughs> It's one of the, it's like, uh, is it custard? Uh, I'm, I'm looking, in Nigeria it is called custard. So I'm looking for the Canadian equivalent. And pudding, thank you. Yes, pudding. So something like pudding. And this, yeah, this guy that had sickle cell was very ill. And I happen to have a pudding, or let's use pudding. Pudding is good. We call it custard in the British system. Now you learn something. <laughs> so this guy that had a sickle cell couldn't eat, couldn't uh, swallow things, and I had custard, and somebody approached me and said, can you give him some custard? And so it's a young boy I just ignored, didn't take it seriously, and didn't give him my custard. And a few days later, the guy died. And I'm, I was thinking to myself, it's possible that my custard could have saved his life, even though that might not be the case. And so I have a regret. So we have things that we've done in the past that sometimes we regret about. I was not as nice as I ought to be to my brother, to my mother, to my father. And so we are tempted to look at the past with regrets, looking at ourselves. And sometimes, some of the things we look at are our sins. Like David of old, we said, my sin is always before me. And so we focus on our sins, and with that, you know, we kind of make it the object. Some people enjoy what I call spiritual autopsy continuously. Not one that they, you know, look at the sin and confess it and move on. But, you know, they always go back and then focus on it, and then take their eyes off Jesus. And sometimes we have what I called missed opportunities, where people say, if only, if only I did this, if only I did that, if only, 
I did that, if only. Remember, like Mary said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so there are these missed opportunities that we have that we look back, we reflect, and then we preoccupy ourselves with them. And sometimes as well, failures. We tried, we failed, we didn't give it our best, and as a result, we failed. And I hate to add to the list, sometimes success itself can be the focus. Where we take our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ and focus like Nebuchadnezzar of old. My hands have done this. And all of these things, uh, you see I put dot, 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 dot. That means you can add and subtract and put your own scenario. When we focus on them, let me say too much, we take our eyes off Jesus. We will not run the race well. And so what happens when we focus on them too much? The consequences of looking onto ourselves, I said, add a few, no peace. Christians that are always troubled, they are believers, but they are restless, no peace, and no joy. And somehow, sometimes, some people can't live with themselves because their eyes is always on themselves. And um, guilt, condemnation, you can add them lists, you know, to a large degree. And remember, the subtitle of my message is that distractions are dangerous. That's why we need to look unto Jesus. And one of the distractions is the events and things that have happened to us that takes our eyes off Jesus. So if we are going to run well and we are going to finish well, we must run with patience, with endurance, but we must keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, as a, a professor, when I used to teach, I realized that the best way to teach is to use examples. Especially if it's mathematics that you are teaching students, you just don't give the formulas, use examples. And so we go on to a few examples of people that looked unto themselves. Let's read a familiar passage. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake, Luke chapter 5 of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. 
Notice I've highlighted that. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men, and so forth. Now, Simon was a great fisherman. He toiled all night trying to catch fish. He, did, he caught nothing. And I want to tell you, if I'm toiling all night and catch nothing, it's most likely that I will get out of the fishing business. But Simon wasn't discouraged. He sat in the boat, was washing the nets, hoping that tomorrow would be better. And while he was doing that, Jesus showed up with the multitudes and then said, Simon, I want you to launch out slightly. And then Jesus sat down in the boat, and Simon sat down in the boat, and Jesus began to teach. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So Simon was listening intently. And when Jesus had finished teaching, he asked him to launch out so that he can catch some fish. And Simon said, Master, we toil all night. We caught nothing. <laughs> Essentially, he was saying the best time to catch fish is at night, not during the day. But because you said so, we are going to do it. And when he did that, he got a large chunk of fish. The net was breaking, the boat was sinking. And what did Simon do? He took his eyes off the Lord and began to look at himself. He offered what I would call a foolish prayer. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Now imagine that Jesus listened to that prayer and departed from Simon. Indeed, Simon was a sinful man. There's no doubt about it. But he had taken his eyes off the Lord and back to himself. When the Lord met him, the Lord knew that Simon was a sinful man because every man is a sinful man except the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus ignored that cry, if you like, or that call, and then moved on. So let's leave Simon because we'll be back with Simon. Paul. He looked at himself. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> let's read together in Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7, Paul tells a lot of things, but in verse 18 he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. That's true. It's not unique to him. It's unique to us. And so when we focus on ourselves, most likely we are going to get that picture. And if you continuously feed your mind that picture, you are probably going to be paralyzed. So he goes on, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not, but the evil that I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Um, verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the law of sin which is in my member. Oh, wretched man that I am. 
You know, there are Christians that major on the fact that they are wretched men or wretched women. And that's all they always talk about. Oh, wretched man, you know, there's nothing good that dwells in me. And that's the theme song. So Paul looked at himself and he saw that nothing good dwell. Now, I don't want to dwell here because Paul did more than looked at himself. He moved a step further. And we'll see what he did. So we leave it there. When you look at yourself, this is what you will see. When you spend time looking at yourself, this is the picture that you will see that nothing good dwells. And some people may join this. And I don't want us to be among those. Now let's move on. Paul looked to himself. He looks to the past. Again, here he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He looked at his past. He says, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. That's his past. Now, just imagine that after Paul had become a Christian, he spent most of his time looking at his past. Formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But notice, because I don't want to leave it completely, but I added but. But. Just imagine that he did not spend his time on the but, but spent most of his time on the fact that he was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man. That, that he was there when Christians were getting killed and was persecuting them. And he didn't move beyond that into the boat. I don't think Paul would have been a very productive Christian. So I'll come back to the boat, but let's leave it there for now. <clears throat> the prodigal son looks at himself. Now, I am pointing out all these pictures just to give you a sense that we are supposed to focus our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ. I fall short in this category, you fall short, and that's why I'm pointing it out. I'm not like pointing finger. I'm trying to help us begin to think that if we spend our eyes or focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will run the race well. But if we spend our eyes on the past, on ourselves, we are most likely not going to run well. Now, you know the story of the prodigal son. Jesus gave the parable. <clears throat> and a certain man had two sons. The younger man wanted to have fun, to enjoy life. So he said, Father, just give me my portion and let me take it and run with it. And the father gave him his portion. And what did he do? He took off and lived wild life. And the money finished and, you know, things like that. And then <clears throat> verse 14 says, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe storm in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he, said, and he sent him to his field to feed swines. And he, was, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pots that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But... But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants 
have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. No more worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. The prodigal son was going to his father, and the message that he had for his father is that I have sinned. I have fallen short greatly. I am no longer worthy. Just make me one of your servants. Now imagine that his father accepted that preposition. Just imagine. So I can see him going in, and in all sincerity going back to his father, thinking about what he's done and saying, what I've done is awful. What I've done is bad. What I've done doesn't fit the mold. I'm just going to tell my father I am no more worthy. Now I'd like you to remember that phrase, no more worthy, because the next passage, I believe, will tell us something when it comes to looking to Jesus. A promise to remember. <clears throat> In Hebrews chapter 10, I'd like you to go home with one verse. Sam read it last week. I repeated it. Sometimes on the platform here. It tells us what Jesus has done. And it tells us something. Now let's read together because I have highlighted a few points. And every priest standing, ministering daily, and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which could never take away sins, but this man, this man, the Lord Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, no more sacrifice for sins. When you think of no more worthy, think of no more sacrifice for sins. This man has offered one sacrifice forever. Sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, then he adds, it's almost like, we should not leave this out. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, you have to think that God doesn't forget. If God is God, he doesn't forget. He has a record. But there is something he has chosen to forget concerning you and me because of his son. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds. I, God, will remember no more. No more remembrance of sin. So when you think no more worthy, I want you to keep at the back of your mind to God, no more remembrance of your sins and lawless deeds. And that's why we need to set our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ 
when the enemy tells us you are not worthy, you need to remind yourself that God says, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will not remember. So, I will remember no more. So this is a promise that you need to remember. See, the problem with me and you is that we forget what we are supposed to remember and we remember what we are supposed to forget. But this one, you need to keep almost at the back of your mind. I'm going to stress it a few times because when you are looking at yourself and you are looking at your past, you are thinking of all the bad things you've done that will make you unworthy. Remind yourself, one sacrifice for sin and no more remembrance of my sins and my lawless deeds because I'm looking unto Jesus. All right, so that's a promise to remember. <clears throat> the prodigal son looks to himself. Is that, oh, I went back. Sorry. Paul looked to Jesus. Remember he said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But, but, I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorance, in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. See, Sometimes we spend so much time talking about the blasphemy, the insolent, and we spend so little time remembering about the grace that abounds because of what Christ has done on the cross. So Paul didn't stop at his sins. He kept his focus on what the Lord has done. And that gave him the strength and the courage to run. He could run and finish well because he was focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, not on his past. <clears throat> Peter looked to himself. He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. But when he looked to Jesus, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. I know that you are a sinful man. I know all about you. I know more about you than you know about yourself. But don't be afraid. From now on, you are going to go with me and you will catch men. And so Peter could go with the Lord Jesus Christ and continue on the journey. So we need to look to the Lord. We need to look to the Lord if we are going to run the race well. The prodigal son. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But what did the father say? But the father said to his servant when he saw his son, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put, a, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calves and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. What title did the father give him? My son. The son says, I'm no longer worthy. But the father said, he was dead. He has returned. So, the prodigal son looked to the father. 
O wretched man that I am. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? But then he adds, I thank God through Jesus Christ. No doubt about it, in me dwells no good thing. No doubt about it, I'm a wretched man. But I have to look at myself through the cross of Jesus Christ. Say, I thank God to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he adds, there is therefore now no condemnation. In Christ, no condemnation. I'm sure his heart, his mind was condemning him. But when he looked at himself through Christ, he could say with confidence, there is therefore now, not yesterday, not in the future, but today, now, no condemnation. The Christian race begins with Christ. It must continue with Christ if we are going to finish well. We must avoid the problem of looking back and looking at ourselves and making that what uh, stimulates or discourages us from moving on. And finally, a promise to remember. Now, you have to understand that if you didn't get anything out of what I've said today, this thing is good because I'm able to finish on time. I couldn't believe it. If you didn't get anything, no, no extra 20 minutes. <laughs> out of what I've said, I want you to remember Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. When the enemy taunts you and you feel discouraged and you cannot move on, remember, the Lord has made a promise to you if you are a believer. And he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will, that's God saying, remember no more. That means in God's sight, through Jesus Christ, you are worthy. It means you are accepted. It means you can live with confidence and you can live in victory because God has accepted you in the beloved. So I hope I've at least pointed out to you that looking at ourselves is a futile effort. It does not give us the strength to run well. But when we look at Jesus Christ and keep our gaze on him, we have victory. And this has to be something that is done daily, not just when we come to church. When the enemy turns in your mind and says, you know, you did this, you did that, you know, you, and all of that, you should remember. And you've confessed the sin and then you've given it to the Lord. Said, well, he adds, their sins, or my sins, if you like, and my lawless deeds, God says he will remember no more. Let's pray. And then we go back to sing boldly, I approach. The song was picked and it matches the message. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. I pray you help us to keep our gaze on Jesus Christ so that we will run the race and finish well. I pray for those that don't know your son, that they will take their eyes off themselves and focus on Christ and come to know him as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.